Uh, well, good morning or afternoon, whichever you prefer. Uh, my name is Toby, as Wei introduced. Um, tomorrow evening, Loretta and I and our son, we are flying to Tanzania for our first assignment with Wycliffe Bible Translators. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of balked and hesitated when Wei said, hey, <laughs> would you like to come to chapel? Um, because it's, uh, it's been, uh, you know, if, if you've moved continents before, You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, it's just been a little crazy, and uh, for our very first time, it's, it's been uh, quite a challenge. But now, being here, I, I can sense how God has, has even placed us here, even though it wasn't on our Google Calendar months in uh, advance. Um, it really brings us back, because uh, two years ago, two uh, years ago, in 2009, the summer of 2009, I uh, just finished... Uh, we finished a, a, a kind of a period of schooling and work, and we're like, okay, what does God have for us next? And we were asking that question and um, began to think about Wycliffe and exploring Wycliffe, and, and uh, Loretta was like, ah, I'm not really sure about that. But, um, you know, we, we kind of went that way, and she was open to it. We decided to study uh, linguistics for a summer at CanIL, and um, one of our TAs is here. That's crazy. Um, Oh, any any linguistic students in the house? Yeah, yeah. All right, two of you, I think. All right, that's good. Um, and and so we began to study, but uh, through uh, you know, Lorette actually quit her job. She's like, you're you're not gonna have all the fun learning, okay? So she joined me in school, and we studied together. Um, with that situation, also with um, some health-related issues in the past, we really came to a place where where finance is really tight. And, and just over and over again, God just provided for us. And, and even uh, her cousins who had visited Vancouver and left some groceries. They just le- like, we're flying off. We just left some groceries. We came home, and we, rejo- we never rejoiced for like used groceries before so much. Because this is the, the, like, just a tangible way of God saying, I'm providing for you. I'm, I'm watching over you. I, 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 I got your back. And, and you know, at that time... We had no idea that we would ever like stand here uh, uh, two years later saying, okay, we're, you know, uh, we kind of know what's the next couple of years. We wouldn't have ever imagined um, having a, a son um, as well. So let me just encourage you, if, especially if you're students, um, to just hang on. God has got you. So let me uh, give that word of encouragement to you. Um, and I say this partly uh, partly for you, but partly it's for me because oftentimes, don't we need to remember? Don't we need to recall? It's like, oh, like we we have terrible memories. Like, oh, God, God is faithful, right? He did, yeah, he did that. He did that. All right, that's how I got here, right? And and hopefully, actually, uh, this time now, uh, uh, we're going to spend with Isaiah. Uh, you can do that too a little bit. That you can remember. Um, that you could recall. Loretta, could, could you uh, grab my water? I think it's, it's there. Thanks. Now, Isaiah 6, I know what you're thinking. It's like, man, this is like, could you pick like a more typical missionary passage? Hello, like, here am I, send me, you know. This is just, just so typical of missionaries, always wanting to go and send people away. Um, Maybe you've actually prayed those words before. You know, here am I. You said 
honestly to God, send me. Maybe this passage has been a part of your life before. Um, it certainly has been a part of ours. Um, but in, in, in just kind of coming to this place and uh, you know, spending some time in this passage, I've really been, uh, my eyes have been opened actually to some things. Because you see, before Isaiah can stand up and, and you know, raise his hand and say, here am I, send me. Did you notice a couple verses before? I, I never really maybe just paid attention. Did you notice a couple verses before? He cries out. He says, woe is me. I am ruined. Did you catch that? I am lost. That, that word means to, to come to a violent death. He says, I'm a dead man. I'm done. I'm finished. That's just a few verses before. That's what he says. And yet, and yet we read in verse 8, he says, here am I, send me. So how did he get from, from like dying to saying, yes, I'm going to be an awesome prophet and write awesome things? How did he get there? Okay, um, let's, uh, let's begin in verse 1. Um, by the way, I've never spoken to like students and, and you know, professors and stuff. I'm a little nervous. My assumption is you know all this, okay? So I hope you do, but I'm going to say it anyway so, so, so the Lord would uh, speak to you. Uh, he begins in the year that King Uzziah died. That happens to be about 740 B.C., you know, that, that kind of era. It also happens to be the time when the Assyrians, as a, as a world power, is pressing, right? They're pressing uh, westward. And this is a, a kind of a world-dominating kind of power. And Isaiah has this vision as I've heard, um, I believe um, Tim Keller said, you know, Isaiah went to the temple and the last person he thought he'd see was the one who showed up. It was God. Uh, maybe you do that when you go to church or chapel. It's like, oh, God showed up. God showed up in a vision. And it's this crazy, superlative vision. It is the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. This is the train of His robe filled the temple. That word train could also be translated hem. And the hem was where royalty would embroider very fine things. You know, I don't know what your best piece of clothing is. Maybe it's really fine work. So kings and queens, you know, they would have a couple inches of fine work. Isaiah says the whole temple was full of this hem. This wasn't some aspiring Assyrian king for world domination. This was the king of kings, the Lord of the universe. Isaiah is in the presence of the Lord. And these great beasts, these seraphs with six wings, they, they are calling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And, and it was a shaking and there was a smoke. And he was scared. You know, I have a friend who's, who's going to make a really big decision in his life. And, and so he's been praying and he's saying, he's actually been praying, you know, God, would you uh, speak to me even audibly? Could, could I hear you? Right? He, he kind of wants that confirmation. And um, I don't know if you've done that before. It's like, God, would you speak to me and, and maybe even see something? But, you know, when we read this and, and actually lots of other parts of the Bible, we, we say, be careful what you ask for. Because when God unveils himself fully before people. Uh, people fall down. People drop. You don't just stand and say, wow, that's, that's nice. 
No, 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 no. God, God showed up. And, and Isaiah, as great as a man he is and would become, says, I am ruined. Um, I don't know if you've been in the presence of someone who is very, very attractive, very beautiful, or maybe even in the presence of someone very brilliant and very bright and very smart. You know how that makes you feel sometimes? You just kind of be like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't quite do you know my best today you know and we and we kind of started to become aware of like how we look or how like oh we didn't like read the latest stuff and we're like oh man how am i going to talk to this person right like we become aware of ourselves when we're in the presence of beautiful and brilliant people but imagine you are in the presence of god imagine that i mean those are those are people right beauty goes away you know their brains they fade but this is god <laughs> but imagine Imagine being in the presence of God. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many degrees are in this room. I don't know how many journal articles are in this room, how many books are in this room, how many brilliant A-plus papers are in this room. Okay, I don't know. But you know what? You put that up. You put that up in this vision and it melts away like filthy rags. It is nothing. It is nothing before God. Nothing. Um, we've uh, been spending about a year and a half doing this. Uh, we've been back from Vancouver and, and called to Wycliffe and, and, you know, raising support and going around to churches and saying, you know, this is, this is uh, what we're doing. And, you know, the date has come. And... Um, you know, along the way, I've gotten some really interesting reactions, like a lot of like, wow, Africa, Africa, you know, like, yeah. Uh, some people say, you know, like, I, I wouldn't do that, or maybe they don't say that, but they say, good for you, good for you, right? And, and, and <laughs> but, you know, in some ways, that, that's a kind of encouragement because, because they're saying, you know, you know I, I would never do such a thing like that. And you know what? Slowly but surely, this uh, kind of pride, this really ugly thing came up. And I said, wow, I am somebody. I, I'm doing this, man. I'm doing this for you, okay? I'm taking my family. I'm taking my one-year-old child. I'm tearing them away from their grandparents, okay? Look look what I'm doing for you. And I said, you know, God, I'm going to go to Tanzania. I'm going to help out with this Bible translation stuff. I'm going to use all, you know, my Hebrew exegesis, all that stuff. I'm going to use it for you, okay? So why don't you come along for the ride, God? Why don't you come along? That was this ugly, ugly, prideful, spirit within me and uh, firmly but uh, gently so as um, I would not melt God said you have it the wrong way around you have it the wrong way around because you see Isaiah didn't pick himself up and say yeah I'm good I'm good yeah it's like yeah okay I'm ready something happened to Isaiah did you catch that? Because a seraph comes and, and with tongs and, and with this coal from the altar brings it to Isaiah. Now, the, something happens to him, like what, what we call intervention, 
Right? Intervention happens to Isaiah. But the intervention is not, you know, this great seraph came to him. It's in this little, tiny little word, altar. I was, I was just blown away when I finally saw this. In this great vision of God and the hem and all this stuff, there was an altar. And we know, we know what that altar was for, right? This is where the people of Israel sacrificed animals. They would sacrifice them for their sin and for their guilt. And not because, you know, God was bloodthirsty and, you know, he, he needed it, right? He says all the time, I, I, don't, I don't need this. But it was for them. It was a reminder. It was a reminder for the people of Israel that they did not stand on their own two feet before God. They did not stand before their credentials. They had to take a, an unblemished animal, a ram, a goat, in the case of a Passover, a lamb of one-year-olds. They would literally slit its throat. They would literally shed blood on this altar. And in Isaiah's recount, the, the seraph brings this coal from the altar. And when it touches his lips, he says, the seraph says, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Because something died, because something was sacrificed on your behalf, Isaiah, now your guilt is taken away. Now your sin is atoned for uh, a woolly little sheep, a lamb, died. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, we read in the Gospel of John, as, as John the baptizer is baptizing and, and calling and bringing the kingdom of God, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, walks down the road, and John points to him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Who, who was this man? He was the Lamb that all the other lambs and goats and rams were pointing to. He was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. He died not on an altar, but a Roman cross. But in Romans chapter 3, Paul writes, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. We've been intervened for. We've been intervened for. Can I remind you of that? We've been intervened for. All right? We, we don't stand up. I mean, we, we might teach with our credentials and our PhDs and all that stuff. But before God... It's just intervention. That's it. We don't, we don't say, hey, look what I've done. Not at all. It is God who's come in and intervened in your life. So let me, let me ask you this. What is the posture of how you're going about things right now? What is the posture? Is it like, God, you know, I, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and, and look what I've done, and, and you know, why don't you come along? Is that, is that your posture? Because, you know, if we do that, then oftentimes what, what we, we're really doing is we, we, need, we need applause, don't we? Because, you know, we're doing something. We're trying really hard. And, and we need to have, you know, credit for stuff. And we need to be acknowledged. And all the while when we're serving God and we're serving our students and we're doing that to some, you know, effect and some capacity, but it's still about us. 
It's all about us and, and, and how we're doing. It's not about God and His glory. What is the posture of, of how you're doing what God is calling you to do? Um, this has uh, been a, a very humbling thing for us to realize. But it is the power of God. It is the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I am clothed with His beautiful robes because, because he, he, he died. And so we can be clothed with it. You know, I was going to the, the airport and uh, I was thinking, man, you know, this is going to be last time, you know, in some ways. A last time I go to the airport. And I was just kind of lamenting the fact that, um, you know, we have nieces, we have family. And I said, God, I'm going so far for you. I am just, I'm just going so far. It's like two flights and, you know, 30 hours. And God said, no, I went far. I went far for you. I covered the distance between heaven and earth for you. You're not sacrificing your family. I sacrificed my son for you. There is nothing you can give me in response that I haven't already given to you. I laid down my life for you. Now that is, you know, that's, that's really familiar, I know. But imagine, just imagine... If uh, you were crossing the road, you know, Bayview or something, uh, and, and, and you were about to get hit by a car, and someone pushed you out of the way, right? And they saved your life. They literally saved your life. What would you say to that person? Would you say, uh, can I get you a Starbucks or something? Like, are you thirsty? Like, are you, how, are you, how are you doing? Or would you say, like, uh, you know, I'll take it for a meal. How about that, right? No, you would say, I owe you my life. And even if I don't know you, I'm going to give you my number and my, my cell phone and, and my email and my Twitter. And you'd be like, if you're in trouble, anytime you call me because you saved my life, I owe you my life. Brothers and sisters, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. How will you respond to that? And have you, in some ways, put, put up some fronts have you said, I will go this far, but not that far. I will serve these people, but not those people. I will do this, but not so much that. Have you said no in particular areas of your life when God said yes to us all? Um, I want to just share and close with uh, a poem and a prayer. Uh, it really describes, I think, what kind of people we are when we get it, when we get what Jesus has done for us, and we remember and recall over and over again. This is the kind of people that this city needs, that this school needs, that this world needs. It is called the Fellowship of the Unashamed. From the best of my Googling knowledge, it is by Dr. Bob Moorhead. So let me, in closing share this with you. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. 
My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, applause, or popularity. I don't have to be right, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, learn by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set. My gait is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until He returns. Give until I drop. Preach until I'll know and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Let's pray. Father God, only you know what credentials we have in this room. I, I, don't, I can't even imagine. And dear Lord, if we had stacked it up and, and tried our, to, to, to kind of reach you or to climb our way towards you, we would never, ever make it. And so you came. You came to redeem us, to intervene for us, to save us. Father God, I pray you would teach us again and again. Remind us what that means in our lives, whether uh, we are students or parents or professors or administrators. Lord, I pray that you would just press on our hearts what that looks like. What does our life look like in response to this amazing thing that you've done? And so that when our neighbors look at us, so when our uh, relatives look at us, they will wonder at the joy we have. They will wonder. Because what you've done is so great, as we sing, it's so great and amazing. Thank you for your word. And I pray, Spirit, that you would just continue to press on on your people here um, as we continue to study, as we fellowship and eat uh, and go about our day, press into our hearts the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. The work is done. You've done it. May we respond to you with, uh, with just a deep gratitude and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.